welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, Augusta County sports are starting to wind down as we get to the end of the regular season. But baseball, we have a Shenandoah District champion, and it is going to be Wilson. Yeah, we saw that coming, and, and it, they had done what they needed to during the first swing through everybody to uh, kind of give them the edge at that, and they've closed it out well. They only had the one loss there to Buffalo Gap a couple weeks ago, but you know closed out strong here uh, just last week, beating Waynesboro, beating Fort, um, a non-district against Allegheny, and then beat Stanton on Monday, and that's what absolutely clinched it. I think before the win to Stanton, they had clinched it because they would own a tiebreaker with Stuart Straff, but however... Uh, they took care of it outright without any uh, tiebreakers needing to be a factor. So good job by them. Uh, second straight, she didn't do a district championship there. Uh, Rodney Cullen has them playing great. You know, last year, last year all the talk was what they would be, and then all of a sudden they were there. And so them winning this year, not as big of a shocker. Um, you know, winning, winning the district by three or four games, I think that's kind of what surprises me, um, uh, you know, to a touch. Uh, just because I just thought that draft, Riverheads, Fort, maybe Gap group, you know, that was what we were saying in the season preview. And um, I think we saw moments of that, but they kept coming out with the upper hand. So congratulations to them. They took care of business. They've earned it. They'll be the favorite next year, too. And uh, that's that's where they sit, that good pitching staff, the good hitting. Um, you know, their bats have been hot and cold throughout the season, but uh, definitely once the district season started heating up, their bats were hot the whole way. And uh, even when their arms might not have been as tight as you were hoping they were going to be this year, their bats took care of it. So a 10 and one district record right now, they have to close out the season against Fort on Wednesday. Um, And where they sit in three C, that's just not going to be that big of a game. They're sitting at third in three C. They're going to get to host a game um, at least one game. And, uh, then we'll see what we get from there. I think in 3C, they take um, eight. It's kind of like it reminds me of the NBA play-in. They have the eight, the seven and eight to play the nine and the ten, and then you go from eight teams from that. So Fort Defiance is sitting right there at that line. I think they're at that nine spot right now. So they might be wanting that win, and they have a, a schedule next week or this coming week with uh, they played Waynesboro on Monday got the win. They play the Wilson game that we talked about. They play Riverheads on Friday. And then they have a gap game scheduled for next Monday, which I thought these things had to be wrapped up by the weekend. So I was surprised to see that date. These games are going to mean a lot for Fort for being in or out of this 3C. So that's kind of where the uh, drama is in 3C is, is Fort in or out? The problem with that is, yeah, you might get a game against a 7 or 8 seed that you might have a good shot at winning Fort. And and I, I would give them good credit there. The problem is after that, you're going to play an LCA or a Spotswood. It's going to be a really, really, really tough matchup. Yeah, and, and we were talking about how Wilson's pulled away, and they've taken advantage of yeah. being really the only team that's been consistent in the Shenandoah District. The sure. other teams have looked great at times, and then they've looked not great at times. And I and unfortunately for Wilson, they're in the toughest region of the, of the bunch there in Region 3C. And I know you're saying they can probably beat Rustburg, but I don't know. I don't know if the Shenandoah District, we talk about it, iron sharpening iron and all that every year because it's, most years it's true. I don't know if that's the case this year. It might be copper sharp, uh, dulling copper. Like, And Wilson might be a really good team that gets in there, and they're just not used to having to play their best to win, and then 
Rustburg comes in and picks them off. I, I would not be surprised. Region 3C is a really good region. And I don't I don't know if Wilson can for sure win a game in that tournament. I'll, and if they do, I don't like them to get into the region championship. I just don't think I – don't, I don't know if we're going to have a state playoff team. We might get one in Class 1. Yeah, and that's and that's my – I mean, I think we'll get one in Class 1 um, just because of – I, you up. say that, uh, but yeah, it, it man, to their favor. neither one of those teams is close and strong. Sticking with 3C for just a quick second, I, I would be very disappointed with Wilson, knowing how much they've won, knowing what that program's done for if they get upset. If they lose to an LCA or Spotswood in a semifinal, I'm, I'm not going to cry. But I would be disappointed if a Rustburg or TA or someone does knock them off, just, just seeing how strong they have played the majority of the season. Jump into class one where you got to there. It just sets up for Riverheads or Buffalo Gap, one of those two, to, to make that region championship game. Um, they are sitting in a spot now where they'll likely face each other in a semifinal. Um, I, I really do think that district, that, that region drops off a lot below that three and four spot. Uh, so I, I just really think whoever, if they do play each other for that semifinal, Whoever w- wins that, yeah, then they're in the region final and they get to go to state. So I do think we're going to get one there. Draft is that team at class two that I was really hoping could hang around, and they they've had their moments. This is that's one of those teams that, I mean, it's it's all of them. You know, everybody other than Wilson is they've had their moments and they've had those wins, but they've had those head scratching um, losses too. And and even even like the Wilson game, we said, well, if they can play with Wilson, then they'll be all right. But then they go out there and get their butts beat by Wilson uh, two weeks ago. So. I have no idea, and I think draft, draft, and what Wilson actually does is going to tell the story of this district. No one what we said about class one. One of them are probably going to make it into the state tournament. But if Look, draft I, is able to find themselves there, then we're going to speak highly of this district. Even if they don't advance on into states, if draft can mash up to be pretty good, then then that would be that story. That's going to help tell the story of a positive district. If they don't, if Wilson falls early. You know, if, if we're only with that one team, then then what you're saying is going to be right. I, I will say, as much as I'm the positive guy on this podcast, a lot of the indicators lean your way. I mean, it's, it's just hard for me to pull evidence to throw in your face and say, no, this district's really strong. It's going to produce all this and this. The indicators aren't there. When when Wilson's beating teams 7-1, to one, other good teams 7-1, to one, and 12 to nothing. Like, that, that's just not a good indicator. Yeah, but I, I mean, I know you're saying – Gap and Riverheads most likely play each other in that semifinal. I don't know. Maybe. I know that's what the seeding says, but these teams just haven't been consistent, and I don't know. Like, I don't know if Buffalo, Gap, and Riverheads both win in the first round. Yeah, so I, I don't think a lot of Rappahannock County or Sussex, those are teams that I've seen Riverheads in these past years in Class 1 just go rock in the postseason. So, historically, I just, I just don't see – them significantly better i think if they were really significantly better they'd have a significantly better record they don't so i I just i just seeing how riverheads yeah they've won two class one state championships in recent memory so that of course gives me that lean there but i i know gaps played good baseball i know riverheads is talented and i just not seeing below them what's going to get in their way now surrey county i i have i think they're good i i don't i'm not saying riverheads or gaps going to win the region i just think one of them is going to end up in that game against surrey county to see what happens yeah i just i don't know 
I hope you're right. Yeah, I hope we get. Than, I hope we get as many teams as possible into the state tournament. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I, I'm thinking maybe one, and that's if Class One goes as we think that Buffalo Gaps and Riverheads are playing each other in a semifinal. I'm hoping, if uh, not, hoping if money. not, I would not be shocked if we come away with no teams in the state tournament. Just because I, I think dis- it's been an inconsistent season this year in baseball for the most part. Except for Wilson, and unfortunately, like we said, they're in the toughest region. Yeah. So, And, I mean, Wilson's losses came against three C teams that are below them in the standings. So, again, more evidence to help you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I mean, look, we'll see. Buffalo <laughs> Gap. Really, yeah, Buffalo Gap um, still has to close out with Draft and Fort. Um, they lost to Riverheads. They're not on the hottest of runs here. So, no. I, I don't know what Lunenburg's schedule looks like and what that math could be where – Lunenburg maybe jumps them, and then we don't have that. That gets back to the scenario that I was rooting for where I didn't want Riverheads and Gap 2-4. Well, I am more scared about Surrey. I was going to say, I kind of want them to play each other just because I want a team in the state tournament. And I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know, man. I don't. You're you're telling me Lunenburg can't beat Riverheads. Some of the games that Riverheads has lost. I don't know. I, I I would not I would not feel comfortable uh as a as a fan yeah, of the Shenandoah district. River has been to the state River has been to the state tournament so many years in a row. I honestly Well that but okay Leland, but this is twenty twenty two. You don't get to take your twenty twenty one, twenty twenty, twenty nineteen teams and the history of that and throw it in here and get to advance. I guess, I'm, I guess what the words I just said were they seem more talented than some of those previous years, and I'm not seeing those other teams with better records coming at them. Like, I, I'm seeing – I guess Lumber if they were better, I'd like to see them win. I guess if I, I guess if they're better than those teams, I'd like to see it. And I just haven't. Have an opportunity. The tournament's about to happen. I, I, I haven't I seen it in the regular season. Time. I haven't seen it in the regular season. Uh, yeah, two years uh, – I think even in the COVID year, their, their regular season was down, and then they were in state semifinal. Like – it's it's me reinforcing the fact that class one baseball is just not as strong. It's not it's not very strong. And so this is where my hope of Riverheads and Gap taking their lumps against these other teams that are I hope good are, are gonna pay off in the postseason. It's gonna get proven. Uh, one we'll of us is gonna be right. A lot of the evidence points towards you. I'm on the optimistic side. We'll see. Softball I wanna talk softball. Ford Defiance is really good. Ford Defiance yeah. Love their chances of getting into a state tournament. Riverhead softball, like their chances of getting into a state tournament. I think softball is probably going to be the teams on the diamond that you see state tournament appearances. And then we'll see what happens with draft. Um, but these teams, I think, are doing great. I'd love to see Riverheads and Fort in there. I'd love to see Stuart Traft get in there, maybe find a way to get into that region championship. Um, but right now, those those top three teams all look pretty good. Wilson, I, I, you know, you just don't know. Like, Region 3C... Can they even get in? And if they do, they might have to run into Fort Defiance early. So probably just not great news for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pessimistic about that. So, yeah, I, I think I think this is what we're hoping for, too. Um, and then that's because you have two that are sitting on top of their regions and points. You know, mm-hmm. Riverhead's leading region 1B, uh, Fort Defiance undefeated. Um, I guess I don't have a point value there, but if they're not one, they're two. You know, they're right up there. Um, I don't. I haven't heard of anybody from 3C that's undefeated. 
and, and you know, beating good teams like Fort Defiance has. I mean, they're beating three C teams. They're beating the district teams. They're doing great. That Rustburg team in the three C is what you're going to be watching out for. And you hope that matchup can come in a, in a region final because last year it was a one nothing no hit game that knocks for define that ends for defined season because they only took the region champion last year and so you're just really hoping um for defines can get in that game and then no matter what be able to advance from there um because you know fort was worthy with that team and it just logistics knocked them out so now this year you hope that they can get that opportunity to keep on and, and see who else they can play in the state and, and make it that much further so you know, Todd Wood hasn't playing great, and just undefeated is undefeated. You don't have to you don't have to spin that very much at all. Um, I don't, you know, even if the district's not great, they're beating all their non-district opponents. So it's just, it's it's just telling that story there. Riverheads has been real strong, and that's another program that continues to be strong year after year in softball, making it to that state tournament. And uh, you know, they're they're very senior led this year. They do have some underclassmen, you know, pro- providing pop. But I know the Denning Deming girl, she's a senior. Um, and, you know, she's done really good uh, throughout her career there and, uh, you know, hit a homer tonight against Buffalo Gap. So, you know, seeing those Monday night matchups in baseball and softball where Riverheads took on Buffalo Gap, Riverheads won both of those at the varsity level. And so you, you wonder if that's momentum heading into the, off, uh, in the postseason where they might be able to win again in the postseason or not. But I think in softball, I, I'm definitely more confident with that Riverhead softball team uh, beating Gap uh, because I think there is a separation there. Uh, and, you know, Holly Desper doing a good job with them at Buffalo Gap this year, and, and they had some big wins. It's just putting it all together. You know, they're dancing around 500 in the district and and overall. It, you know, they want to be higher than that. But I still think they, they have their opportunity to make noise in that, in that region because, you know, again, team's not as strong in that region as uh, what we're going to see in 3C against uh, Fort Defiance. Sure. Uh, blowing through soccer here real quick. Um, it's it's Wilson's district to lose at this point. Uh, they seem pretty comfortable in the boys' side. And then the girls' side, it's a big showdown tonight. I was looking while you were talking about softball there to see if we had a score in the Waynesboro-Fort game, but I couldn't find one yet. Um, but that one might decide the district because Wilson ended up handing Waynesboro their first loss of the year this week. Or last yeah. week. Yeah, last week, and, and uh, it's so it's <laughs> whatever week. It's yeah, coming together here. Oh uh, yeah, and and Waynesboro was solid, and then you know just hasn't taken care of some of these wins down the stretch you want them to. Um, so it it's how soccer goes. You know, you get these one nil. Is that the right proper term there? You that is. Yeah, you're speaking proper <laughs> lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those one nil finals, and and they can just go either way, and it's the bounce of the ball. So. Um, I'm really interested to see how those playoffs uh, go. But also, you know, this last week, seeing these matchups on the boys' side, we're going to get that last Wilson-Stanton matchup. That'll be fun to see. And, and on the um, on the girls' side, you know, plenty of good matchups there, too, with the Fort-Waynesboro game going to wrap things up. So the door's a little bit left open for Fort Defiance there. I think they're both going to be in that 3C playoff, uh, which will be fun. So uh, we'll see uh, what we can get for representation there. But I, I do know the road's going to be tough Um especially in the girls' soccer. Yeah, yeah. boys' soccer, too. It's going to be very tough, both both sides. 3C is going to be tough in soccer, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's it's a tough region in almost every yeah. spring sport, it seems like. But The problem the problem with uh, 1B soccer is there's only two teams in 1B soccer, so 
both go to states. <laughs> so yeah. River, Riverhead's girls at one and six, uh, or what, whatever the record is now, already claimed a, a spot at the state. And that's that's where, you know, class one, low participation, all kind of coming together. You have low numbers to begin with, low uh, participation, mm-hmm. and it, it just only, there's only two girls' teams. That's that's tough. And then, and then I mean, Gap doesn't even have a, a girls' team. They, they're playing co-ed this year. So it's just it's, – it's what – you have right here for soccer and um, you know, you got to look to the top of that list for, for finding the dramatics. Yep. Track. We finally, uh, not finally, but we had the district meet so much uh, fun action there on track. Um, I was watching the scores come in last week. Waynesboro boys take home the district title. Stewart's draft girls take home the district title. So two good finals there. Uh, so on the boys' side, you had Waynesboro, then Stanton, then Draft, then Riverheads, and then you had Fort Wilson Gap. And then on the girls' side, you had Draft, Fort, Riverheads, and then Stanton, Waynesboro, Wilson, and Gap wrapping it up. So I, I like those finishes. The reason I wanted to run through the, each school right there is because little Yak Cup update. Uh, we haven't had one in a while since uh, the winter schedule was closing up, but we finally have some more finals. And what I'm really seeing – uh, the standings are real close right now between Fort Defiance and Wilson Memorial. And then when I kind of project at what these other sports, where these district standings were going in this final week are, I think it's going to come down really tight. But it's either going to be Fort Defiance or Wilson winning this inaugural Yak Cup. So that's going to be exciting to watch this last week and see who can edge out the other team. When I do my little projection here, based on those current standings, it's a one-point decider. So uh, I don't want to tell you which way I'm leaning, but I know it's going to be one of those two teams. Looks like Riverheads is pretty solid in like a third spot. Um, so, you know, you have those two class three schools sitting up battling out for one, two, and then you have Riverheads. And, and that's what we've said a lot about, uh, about Riverheads is they compete very well for a class one school and their sports are strong there, but still not enough to overtake uh, still a nice little gap there between what Wilson and Ford haven't we seen it all year Fort and Wilson just in those upper standings in nearly every sport. Um, and and that's why they're going to deserve this first Yak Cup. So we'll see which one edges the other one out. I think next week we should be on a district champion. We should be able to be able to name the Yak Cup. If not, two weeks from now, we'll make it official. And uh, that'll be great. That'll be fun to celebrate that and uh, try to get a guest uh, in relation to that Yak Cup winning winning school there. So. Yeah, for sure. Um. Let's let's talk some college. The Hokies softball knows where they're going to be. They're the three seed in the overall. They're overall three seed in the tournament. Uh, so they get to host a region. If they win the region, they'll get to host a super regional, which is great. Uh, and they will get to play at home all the way through into the women's college world series. Should they make it? Yeah, I, I like their matchups. This first round, when you got St. Francis is their opening matchup Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, Kentucky and Miami of Ohio are the other game. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Hokies will take on um, an opponent from that other game in the second game. So you hope the Hokies win and they're playing the other winner. Um, but we'll see what happens there. If the Hokies can come out this weekend with the uh, with a couple victories that get them out of the weekend, then they're looking at number 14 Florida um, is would be the favorite to come out of that other region um, box. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech. Um, Canisius. I never say that one. Yeah, you say it right. <laughs> you know these smaller schools better than me. Um, 
so yeah, this this is a team that's been rolling since early in the season. They had their couple losses to Bama, who's a six seed, and but they've been really rolling ever since that. And that was February. That was the, I think the first weekend was those games against Bama, and they lost zero two and zero one, and so they they competed there, and then ever since then, really been rolling. Only seven overall loss or five overall losses since those two losses, um, and only two losses in the ACC. Just absolute great season they they did fall in the ACC tournament they uh fell in the semifinal to Clemson which you know I was really hoping to get that ACC tournament victory but really didn't hurt their seeding still a three seed they were number two uh the week before so really didn't hurt them that much there um still top there Florida State who did win the ACC tournament they're the number two seed so a lot of respect to the ACC from these experts um you know in a in a sport where SEC really dominates here we have Oklahoma, Florida State, and Virginia Tech all in the top three right there. None of those SEC schools. But then there's a bunch of SEC schools in the rest of this tournament here. So Arkansas, one of the stronger ones there, uh, Alabama. So UCLA is still out there. Um, but a lot of those kind of teams, like, you know, that top eight, you know, those are the teams that are going to probably make it to Oklahoma State or are favored to make it to Oklahoma State. That would be when Virginia Tech would see any of those teams the first time. So you know, I like who they have in their region right now. I like that Florida matchup coming in. They're going to have to earn it. I mean, Florida's not a rollover. They battle-tested in that SEC. But, you know, it's a path to success. And, and I'm, I just i am really hoping they can make it. Oklahoma City, but yes. What about Oklahoma City? That's where the tournament is. It's oh, not I at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you're in the right state this time, so that's good. Yeah. Um, Omaha awaits the Virginia Tech boys baseball team, it looks like, uh, if they take care of business. Right now, they're number three uh, in the country. They had a huge series win against Louisville over the weekend, uh, and it looks like they also might not only be hosting regionals, but super regionals, barring, in a great spot for that. Yeah, barring an early exit in the ACC tournament. Um, but, uh, that man, Tech baseball and softball look to be in great position. Uh, VCU. Um, well, I'll let you talk about Virginia Tech before I go to VCU. Go ahead. They got all the bleachers for softball. They have those temporary bleachers set up. And I know when JMU was rolling through those um, playoffs and, and even for the CAA tournaments when they've hosted them, but then the NCAA ones when they were able to host, it was so exciting in Harrisonburg when they were setting up those bleachers. So I saw online that Virginia Tech has them set up. So I'm excited about that. And then, yeah, I, I guess they're hoping uh, – here in two weeks, they can just move those bleachers over to the baseball park if they need them over there, too. Uh, I know they've done a lot of work there. Um, I sat in some temporary bleachers at a Virginia Tech uh, baseball game uh, before, but I, they've adjusted that hill where I think they can fit a lot more in there now. But, yeah, I, we could be hosting a lot of baseball here this spring. And, you know, you wanted to get through this baseball series against Louisville, another top-ranked one. I guess they were number seven coming in. You wanted to get through this weekend before you kind of like, okay, this – we're, we're about to host some stuff. So I, I imagine the athletic department's kind of, uh, you know, getting their plans together now because that was a, you know, number seven team coming in here and they, they Louisville beat them on Friday night. So you kind of watched out, but then played well on the weekend, 4-3 victory on Saturday, a 6-4 win on Sunday. I watched a lot of that one on Sunday. And uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. They played Duke, still going to have to handle their business there. I, I'd really like to see them make a, a real deep, run in this ACC tournament. I'd, I'd really like this for this baseball team and the energy the energy that they have. I'd like them to be really rolling in uh, to the NCAAs coming off some big wins there. So that'd be nice. Yeah, it would be. And, I mean, 
so far, there's been no indication that that won't happen. Um, VCU, they had a great weekend. Uh, they've won yeah. seven straight now. They got to play UMass for three games. and I think I could have played for them. Um, it was it was not a great day for UMass. They've lost six straight. They got swept by the top two teams in the conference, Davidson and VCU. Um, VCU has a game against Georgetown on Tuesday, and then they'll close the regular season against Fordham, another team that is just not in a great position right now, um, although they have won their last three. Uh, but it, it would appear that VCU will definitely be the two seed in the A-10 tournament. They're going to go – that's hosted by Davidson this year, and they're just going to have to find a way to knock Davidson out. Um, Davidson has been on a tear. They have won nine straight games. They're 18-3 and in the conference overall. They've kind of led wire to wire. VCU is 16-5 and in the conference. Uh, two of those losses to Davidson. So uh, I think, you know, one of Davidson's three is to VCU. So – um, they have beaten Davidson before, but Davidson is a really, really good baseball team that puts up a ton of runs. Although, you know, I mean, we talked about UMass and just the rough week they had. I mean, it was a ton of runs scored by the Rams this weekend against UMass. I mean, they scored, I think it was 26 uh, in the first game. And then in the, yeah, 26 to 2, 18 to 3, and 6 to 1. So the 6 to 1 Sunday game was a little bit of a letdown. Um, but they they have played extremely well uh since really uh the last time they i you th i think you could honestly say they weren't themselves was a game back on april 26th against william and mary uh they lost there at william and mary but then they came on to sweep dayton they lose a tough game at charlottesville to uva where they were leading at points then they sweep george washington beat odu sweep umass now they've got georgetown before fordham so they could potentially be going into the A-10 tournament on the right note, really hot, and they're probably going to have to win the A-10 to get into the regional this year. So uh, they're going to be looking to try to make as much noise and find a way to knock out Davidson. Well, at least we get to uh, listen to you here down the stretch. So Four games we this week. Yeah, it'll be a busy week. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, man. Yep, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Gonna sleep in the stands there. Take a little blanket with you. Uh, you know, we'll see if this if that Thursday game goes late. Uh, but um, uh, I, let's take right. it to baseball for a second. Yeah. Major League. Yeah, yeah. I know you want to talk about. It's an oddity. This. Yeah. It is an oddity. I take positives where I can get to him. Yeah. Um, your Pirates managed to get no hit and still find a way to win. Hey. I, I think that says something. I mean, you, <laughs> you, can, you cannot produce anything all day, and you still find a way to win. It was a pitcher's duel, and uh, they get no hit. They only gave up four hits and, and you know, none on top of each other. And uh, the Pirates got two walks by the pitcher from Cincinnati Green, who had pitched a great game, a no-hitter. He walks two in the uh, bottom of the eighth, and then they take him out. Having given up no hits, Reds take him out. Well, then um, – guess it was another walk and a fielder's choice and here you go with a run across the home plate and pirates are winning one nothing headed into the top of the ninth pirates take it down from there so you know it's an oddity it's only happened six times in major league baseball history so you got to mention it uh i was watching that i switched straight from the hokey game that was early at 11 over to the pirate game and watched that and uh much i think the Hokies uh, were a lot more exciting of a game <laughs> but uh i watched it 
it was good. And uh, we'll take the positives we can get them. We're not in last place in the division. Um, you know, last time I checked on Monday night here, they're they're no hit again, um, except they'd already given up eight runs. No, they up, so. they managed to get a hit. I just checked. <laughs> They've I got one. <laughs> They've got one. In the seventh inning, they have a hit, and they are getting killed yeah, the by the offense, Cubs. Offense isn't, isn't there for the Pirates, but hey, I'll I'll take what we can get. But you know, I watched um, what was it Mets um, the Mets series some this weekend. The Braves last week had an interesting series, so I've been watching some of that. And uh, those top teams, you know, I'm trying to figure out who I really think is going to take it from here. I know we give our early season predictions and stuff, but I'm trying to get a read on on who's going to win. Everything I know that everybody wants to lean Dodgers just because of what it is on paper, but I, just seeing how people play, I I just want to come up with anybody but the Yankees on who I really think is going to win. Well, I don't think the Yankees are going to win. I, I will say that. I'll come out and say that. And it's not just because I hate them. I, I just don't think they're going to have – when they get in the playoffs, they're not going to have what it takes to win. Their bullpen is not great, um, and their pitching is not good enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are obviously a likely candidate, but – I, you know, you look at the Rays and, you know, maybe they can get back. The Twins are off to a hot start, but that kind of feels like fool's gold to me. I, yeah, ju- I not really do not buy that for a second. I think Chicago will catch them before it's all said and done. Yeah. The White Sox will figure it out. Out West, the Angels are a team that is off to yeah, a really good start that I am curious to see if that can keep up. Because that's a team that always, when you look at their roster, yeah, it should be a lot better than it is every year. And so this right. year they're off to a hot start, and you're wondering like, okay, maybe they've figured it out there. Maybe Joe Madden. And they have crazy guy. That yeah, maybe Joe Madden is you know yeah. brought the right you know koala bear to spring training this year or whatever, and has motivated the team. I don't know, but another division that is peculiar to me is the NL East because yeah. the Braves who won the World Series are what Mets are like six and a half now. Yeah, the Braves yeah. are bad. The Phillies are not good. John Leonard will tell you. Uh, and, and the Mets are really starting to build a cushion that I, now I will always say this. You can't win the division in May. But you can lose a division in May and you can kind of knock yourself out of the playoffs in May if you're just not playing good baseball, i.e. the Reds. They're dead. They, oh, my goodness. Done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Done. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's more divisions than just the Reds. I mean, there's more than the Reds that are done. Yeah, the A's are done. The Orioles are yeah. done. The Orioles aren't going to the playoffs. Like, as much as we had a good week uh, last week, and it kind of brought us up to, I think, two games within 500, and then the weekend happened, and it was like, oh, yeah. Um, and we had some injuries that just absolutely – our offense isn't deep enough to survive injuries, so anytime somebody gets hurt, it's – debilitating and fans are upset today because fans had convinced themselves that today was going to be the day Adley Rushman got called up because it was a home game. He'd been blowing through the rehabs and they had been moving them up for home games. And Oh my gosh, we're home against the Yankees. This is a great opportunity getting ready to start a seven game home stand. This is when you call him up. Well, today comes and goes and he's still not up. He's still in Norfolk. So now they're saying they better call him up before the Rays series on Friday. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. It's frustrating. Um, And I get why fans are frustrated, because the guy's 24. It's not some, like, 18-year-old or 19-year-old. He's 24. He's ready. There's nothing else for him to prove. 
And he's better than Robinson Chirinos, okay? I, no offense to Robinson Chirinos, but I don't want to see him catching anymore every day. He can be the backup catcher that I watch, you know, on Sundays or, you know, every fifth game or whatever. I don't need to see Robinson Chirinos be my everyday catcher anymore. He's not good. There's a lot of guys on this team that just aren't good that I have to deal with because of injuries. Adley Rushman's fine. He's fine. He's hitting the piss out of the ball in minor leagues. He's looks good behind the plate. I don't need to see any more from him in Norfolk. Triple A, he's fine. He's got it figured out. Bring him up. If he can hit, great. That's why we have him, right? This is why we drafted him. This is why he's supposed to be the guy that's going to help bring us a World Series potentially. If he can't, okay, oops, we goofed. And we learned something here. And we didn't wait until September to call him up or whatever the Orioles' plan is. It, it is out-and-out out service time manipulation at this point, in my opinion. If he's not up with it by the end of the week, I, fans are right to be pissed off here because what are we doing? The whole point of the rebuild is to get these guys up, see what they have. Adley Rushman probably calls a better game behind the plate than Robinson Chirinos, too. I, I just, I, Robinson Chirinos hasn't been good his entire major league career, so I don't need to see it anymore. I don't, we're going to lose regardless. At least let me lose with the guys who might be the future and I can see them improve. I don't need to see Robinson Torinos. I don't even like seeing Ryan McKenna in the outfield. But Austin Hayes is hurt, so I have to watch that clown run out there every other day. And to be honest, it's not fair for me to call Ryan McKenna a clown because it's not his fault he sucks and we don't get any depth. It's our, it's our front offices. So we have a 4A player and Ryan, well, that's offensive to 4A players because I don't think, I don't even think Ryan McKenna's good in AAA when he's there. He's just, we have too many bad pieces. I don't need to voluntarily have them there. When we have guys that are ready to come up, bring them up. Gunnar Henderson still being in AA is redonkulous. That guy is a shortstop of the future who is crushing it. I saw him play in Richmond, crushed. He is ready to be in Norfolk. Call him up to Norfolk. Whoever the guy in Norfolk is, if he's good too, and that's why we're scared to bring him up, fine. Bring him up. Because I don't like our... Short stops. I don't like our team. Rugnit Odor is not good. They, we celebrated, Orioles fans were celebrating Rugnit Odor's anniversary of punching Jose Batista. I think it's been six years uh, since he punched Jose Batista. And we as Orioles fans hate Jose Batista. Um, and it was in a group text that I'm in, and I just put, I liked Rugnit Odor better when he was a Ranger and not an Oriole because the way he punched or the way he hit Jose Batista is harder than he has ever hit a baseball in an Orioles uniform. And I just don't need to see it. Yeah. Uh, yep. We're both searching for positives. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see your young guys up too. So that'd be good. How? Uh, so I think we spent our Game 7 Saturday slightly different. I we did. I focused on uh, catching up to the basketball games. Uh, after I watched those baseball games I was talking about, um, and then I know you were on the hockey. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk about the hardwood first. The Bucks took a beat down. But then that got overshadowed because the Suns got absolutely obliterated by the Dallas Mavericks in a game seven on their home court. And it was embarrassing of a loss for them. You can lose the game seven. It, it can happen. Yeah. Dallas isn't some just push over nothing team that it's embarrassing. You can lose it. But to be down by 30 at halftime, when Luca has as many points, points as the Suns, yeah, that's just a problem. Um, no fight 
no spark, no nothing, and this is a game seven with professional athletes. It's just unbelievable how bad that went for the Suns. I think Giannis has to be a little happy that the Suns did that later in the day because the Bucks got beat down too, but at least that was at Boston and a lot of things kind of going against uh, well, Milwaukee with the Middleton injury and stuff like that. But the Suns just absolutely, whatever focus, any, any of the NBA talk I heard today was Suns terrible. And, and that was the conversation. So I, I don't know. I sit here and uh, I know we're going to circle back to some of the points I said, but man, I look at all these teams and I just keep looking at Florida State with all, the, all these guys that have won a bunch of championships already. And I just, I feel like we're here again. Golden State, you mean? I said the Warriors, I thought. You said Florida State. Florida State. Golden you got the Seminoles State. on, yeah, you got the Seminoles <laughs> on your mind. Um, but <laughs> already Leland's already looking for that uh, softball showdown with Florida State. Um, but yeah, with the NBA, I'll say this in Giannis's defense, the Bucks getting annihilated was not his fault. He had, he had a really good series. Yeah, he had a solid game. He I had he had a historically good series. Like yeah. 200 points uh or I think no. Was it more than that? I don't remember. I, I forget the stat line, but I know you're talking about uh, but people haven't been talking about it today because everybody's talking about how bad the Suns were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I will say that. In Giannis's defense, not his fault. The Suns, yeah, like you said, you cannot go out like that at home. Like, that just can't happen. You, if All you lose on a buzzer beater, okay. But to yeah. get just absolutely blown out. And, like, when I looked at the score at halftime, I was like, oh, yo. Good thing I stayed away from the NBA today because I would have bet the Suns. I bet them both, and I bet them both bad or on. I was loud or on. on See, I was thinking the Celtics would find a way to win at home, but the Suns, Mavericks, I was like, I want to say the Suns, but you just see all those Chris Paul stats. Like, he has the record for most blown 2-0 leads. It's a game seven. He's not great in game sevens, and I was just like, "Mm." I'll tell you what. Like, Chris Paul is one of those people, like, I feel like I've warmed up to a touch. Like, I really didn't like him when he was at Wake Forest. Um, he's hitting people and stuff. Like, just not cool. He did not cool stuff. Like, Julius Hodge got hit where you're not supposed to hit a guy uh, by Chris Paul. And uh, I don't like that. And so I, I've never liked him. And then it was easy to kind of ignore him because he was on the uh, New Orleans Hornets and stuff. So it was easy. But then, <laughs> and then the I don't know, somewhere along the way, I guess he just got old enough where I was like, okay, like, you know, he's good, and, you know, he, okay, I'm, I'm warming up a little bit, but, no, nah, this was this was easy to remember the things I didn't like about him, like when he's just looking this bad. But then the hate just coming out of the woodwork today, like everybody on Twitter just slamming Chris Paul. You got players on ESPN, um, Patrick Beverly going on there just trashing him, justified or not, he's trashing him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It was just a really interesting day to watch, like, Chris Paul just get destroyed all day. And, and it starts to be part of that LeBron, Chris Paul, Mello, you know, group of friends, you know, the banana boat or what, whatever they were riding on vacation right. one year. Like, it it doesn't bother me that Chris Paul's getting hate. It really doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't bother me. So it, it's been interesting for a guy that a year ago when they were in the finals was getting all the love and then he got injured and, you know, there was all this remorse for him. It is the opposite today. And uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's been getting killed today, and I don't know. Part of me feels bad because I just uh, – that can't be fun. But the – mental, The mental for this team 
going into next year. I I think this team is that's gonna be tough. That's franchise killing loss. It feels like like that is. Decent moves, and I think Chris Paul's party probably part because I I just think the Mavericks are going to get better. Like Luca's going to get better. I mean, they talk about Chris Paul not playing defense. Look at Devin Booker got erased. Devin Booker got erased. And I like him. He's a good player. Yeah. Golden State isn't going anywhere. Dallas is going to get better. Like it's Memphis is going to get better. It just felt like that. Honestly, that felt like a loss where it was like, uh oh. That was it. The window yeah. just closed. Like, but the thing for Chris Paul is, I think, I think you almost have to make some move with Phoenix just to like freshen up the locker room and get that feeling out of out of their heads. And I think Chris Paul's part of that movement. So where does he get moved to? Does that give him an opportunity? Because everybody's just writing off Chris Paul. He'll never win a championship. I was like, well, where does he go to? I mean, he's he's been at some spots. So I I, I do know. think he plays a role know. in the Suns being there, like where they are. Like I I don't. I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing that they're not going to try to move Chris Paul, but I, yeah. I do wonder. I'm like, it's kind of like Caps years. fans. It's kind of like Caps fans, and then I'll move this when I, I'll talk about it more in depth with when I, we talk hockey. But some Caps fans are like, well, we just got to get rid of Ovechkin, you know, the window's closed. Well, I'm like, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. But Chris Paul, I mean, look, we talk Phoenix Suns. It's not a proud franchise. Like they don't have a lot of great history. They built well right here with getting Charles Barkley, Devin and Booker, and Chris Paul might be the those are the three people that come to mind. I mean, they were in the some finals with like Paul Westfall, like before you were born, so I know that didn't exist. But that like, didn't exist, yeah. They played the Celtics in a final like in seventy something. And so like I mean they had a, like a little bit there. But yeah, Paul Westfall and then the guys you just said is the list. I I'll I'll give you that. And um yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Chris Paul's only been there two years, so it's not like he's not Ovechkin. That's just that's two apples and acorns right there. I mean, it's just two way different things. Like, I I don't know. I just think you could maybe get like a different point guard that doesn't have this in his head now and keep him there with Booker and Aiton, and like maybe you can swing back. But I, I just that Chris Paul led Phoenix team looks like mentally beat forever now. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that. But how my Lance doing? Oh, I was gonna. We were gonna. I thought we were gonna talk about the East a little bit with what's left. Oh, that's Boston and Miami. It's one versus two. That'll be fun. It, yeah, it will be. I, but so Golden State, Dallas. I, I don't. I don't think, think that State will be fun. Them. I think it's. I think it's six. I think it's six. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's six, and I think you get seven out of the East. Okay. Um. Which, if it's seven next Monday, we will probably have to have it on while we record. <laughs> yeah. Or two Mondays from now, not next Monday. So, NHL, the Caps did get eliminated by the Panthers. Um, but it was overtime. It was overtime. There was a lot. That was a lot better of a series than I thought. The Caps gave them a run. Eventually, poor defense and bad goalies ended up biting <laughs> the Caps. Like, <laughs> they blew two, three goal leads in that series, I think. Um, which is amazing. Uh, the one was they were up 3-0. It was game four. They're up 2-1 in the series, and they're up 3-0 at home. And the Panthers come back to tie it and then win. I think the final was 4, maybe 5-3. I don't remember. But the Panthers came back to win. And my texting my brother during this, who is an even bigger Caps fan than I am, 
because um, he goes to a lot of the games. Tech, he texted me and said, we are not going to win another game. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. Of course, game five in Florida, again, they're up 3-0. And Florida comes back and beats them. And I was just like, oh, not great. Or maybe the, maybe game four wasn't 3-0, it was 3-1. But Florida empties the net early and gets, when they had the empty net, they scored in like the final minute to send it to overtime, beat the Caps in OT. This one, wow. they they come back from down 3-0 and bury the Caps. And that made it 3-2 Panthers. And my brother texts me saying, oh, I'm going to game six. And joke in our group text with our friends. And I jokingly said to him, although also kind of honest because I had bet it that way. I said, I'm glad you're getting to go to the game because this will be the last chance you see him before next year's season opener. And he's like, don't say that. And I was like, I'm just telling you, they're done. That You don't blow two leads back-to-back games like that and survive. Yeah. And they didn't. I mean, they had, they had the lead multiple times in this game. They had a goal in the final minute the Caps did to send it into overtime in game six. But what happens? The Caps defense happens. It's atrociously bad. And that's the one part where the Caps actually do need to improve. The back, the back end on the defense and goalie. They need a new goalie. Uh, Samsonov, not good. Uh, Vanacek, also not great. Like, you just need a better goalie. And you don't have one. You need to go find one. I, that was the thing my brother and I at the deadline kept scratching our heads. Like, why didn't you go get a goalie? Marc-Andre Fleury was there. Why did you not go get him? That makes no sense. Whatever the Minnesota Wild wanted, you should have given them. Or, uh, sorry, not the Wild. That's where he ended up. I can't remember who had him. But it was a team that was not competing. I was like, whatever they wanted, you should have given them. Outside of Ovechkin, should have given them. I, but they, de- they didn't get a goalie, and it ends up coming back to bite them. But this was a very successful season for the Caps. They, they, want, they got 100 points. So it's not a bad team. They just ran into the President's Trophy winner, and sometimes that happens. Which sets up, it was a great first round. The Rangers, they also beat the Penguins in overtime in Game yeah, 7. Like that was that. your Game 7 Sunday. Loved it. Oh, it was so great. Madison Square Garden was electric. That was fun for the Rangers. Good for them. And they beat Pittsburgh, which is always good. And then Were they the, going to beat Carolina? No. Uh, the other Game sure. 7 was uh, Calgary, Calgary, Dallas. Oh, it is. The Caps and the Penguins, I do. I said the Caps were good. They just need to improve the back end and the goaltending. But I did see a stat. It was like neither the Caps or the Penguins have won a playoff series since 2018. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does feel like the windows have probably closed. Like, I'd say the Caps are closer than the Penguins, even though the Penguins technically had a better regular season. You just look at the Penguins' stars, and they're aging rapidly and the caps yeah. i mean for that point too like ovechkin's not getting any younger um he seems to be holding up somewhat well but you do wonder when that starts to slow down for him uh and then backstrom is also kind of getting up there and it's it's time is not on their side but calgary dallas was a fun series that game seven goes into ot calgary wins it at home which sets up and i love the way the NHL does their playoffs with the divisions, it sets up fantastic matchups in early rounds. And then you get to the end and you've got, okay, we're battling for the Stanley cup, a trip to go to the Stanley cup here. 
you have the Battle of Florida, the Sunshine State with the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is, you know, if the Florida Panthers were going to get back to a Stanley Cup, it kind of just felt like it needed to be the Lightning that they went through. It's their nemesis. It's the team that's won the last two Stanley Cups and has knocked out the Panthers, uh, a really good Panthers team last year. This is, it feels like perfect uh, and storybook-esque that that's who they're playing in the second round here is the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's going to be a fantastic series. I think that thing goes seven. Uh, then you look at Carolina, New York. I said I don't think New York wins. The only thing that might, if New York wins, it'll be because they're goalie. That guy is a machine. Shosturkin is amazing. He played a fantastic series against the Penguins. He's the only reason they won that series, because he was taking like 80 shots in one game that they ended up losing. Uh, it's been a minute since the Rangers have been at, like, I, I, they've been in the playoffs, but they haven't been like in an Eastern Conference final or a, like a conference final in a, in a while, right? Um, I think you're right. I do remember them beating the Caps a couple of times, and so it's hard for me to remember, but I think those were first-round series. Yeah. Um, you keep talking. I'm going to find out. Sure. But with the Hurricanes, their offense is going to score a ton of goals. The question is if they find enough goals against Shesterkin, and then can New York's offense get enough to save them? Uh, who knows? The way they played against the Penguins, maybe, but I, I just like the Hurricanes, and I kind of like them in six. I don't think this is a seven-game series. I think the Hurricanes win this in six. I think the Hurricanes, who haven't lost at home yet in the playoffs, take care of the Rangers at home, and then they find a way to win one of those first two at Madison Square Garden. Um, and then it's over, I think. I don't think they sweep them, but I think it's over then. Uh, so for me, when you look at the Avalanche and Blues, this is another interesting rivalry. The If there's a team that is going to stop Colorado from getting to the Stanley Cup, it's, it's going to be in this round. It's not going to be from the Battle of Alberta uh, with Calgary and Edmonton. That is two teams that I watched lose games that had, they had no business losing, in my opinion. Uh, so the winner of that series, who I think will be Calgary, uh, will come out, and they will get absolutely stomped into a mud hole by the Colorado Avalanche if the St. Louis Blues can't beat them. The Avalanche, I mean, they've had amazing goaltending. They've had great goal scoring. It's just been a barrage. That game one against Nashville was so ugly. They should have just canceled the series there. They should have just said, okay, Nashville, <laughs> this was embarrassing. Go home. Um, but, I mean, it was like 6 nothing at the end of the first period or something stupid like that. I was just like, all right, one of these teams is not like the other. One of these teams should not be in the playoffs. Um, but I, I do think when you're – I still like – my Avalanche Panthers prediction, the bad news for you, Leland, Wayne Gretzky was eight for eight in the first round on his predictions. He has your Lanch going out to the St. Louis Blues. Oh, I don't like that. He played for St. Louis, though. He's blinded. He played at the Blues at the end. Why don't you look that up, too? Um, I will. Well, well, well I'm, uh, I was going to say, I know he played for the Rangers, the Kings, and the Oilers, but I'm just not picturing him in the Blues like uniform. A, a 
blue right at the end. Um, it wasn't any great length of time. I'm, I'm not claiming some storied yeah. difference. He has the Blues losing to the Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup cha- final. So we'll see. St. Um, Louis in 95-96. Well, good for him, I guess. But yeah, I, right. He went from the Kings to St. Louis, and then he went to the Rangers. He was only there for a minute. Wow. I do think that's why I don't remember it because I remember yeah. teams on either like side. Half a season in '96. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think though the Avalanche are going to have what it takes to to bounce the Blues, and, and so I honestly with the Ice Cats, it's this round the Lightning, and then I do think they're going to beat the Hurricanes. I don't think they're going to have any troubles there. So it's the Avalanche, the other team that scares me in terms of my investment. I did, want, I did want to swoop around on the Rangers. They've just been bad the last, like, five years, uh, finishing near the bottom of the division. They hadn't been a lot of playoffs in the last five years. And it was 2015 last time they were in a conference final. So, mm. Well, I don't think they're getting there this year. So, I hope not. I've never been to HockeyReference.com before. Today is the first. So. Wow. Good for you, man. <laughs> HockeyReference.com. Gotta love it. Hey, that. when I start spitting out hockey knowledge, I gotta quickly refer I gotta quickly research and make sure I'm saying anything true. But I hey, I had both of those right, but I, I, but I wasn't very I, I will say this. <laughs> watching the hockey playoffs and the number of game yeah. sevens that they had in this series, the oh, number of games that go into overtime, there is nothing like it. It is the most exciting playoffs in sports. Because when especially when you get into overtime, especially when it's not my team playing, right? Yeah. Now Unfortunately for me, I tend to make investments on these games, so I do have a rooting interest in most of them. But the games I don't, and I'm just watching as a neutral, nothing but pure excitement. Shot for shot, I'm just like, ooh, ooh. And I will say, like, again, when the Caps were playing, I was like, oh, gosh, here come the Panthers. And I just knew that game winning goal, when he started skating down, I was like, yep. And sure enough, they scored as Carter Verhage celebrates and the Panthers eliminate them in D.C. And it was just like, typical. And my brother just texted me. He's like, that was vintage Capitals. And I was like, yeah, kind of felt like it. But, um, man, I just love the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's it's yeah, just it's, nothing like it. I hope there's more game sevens. I think, I like I said, I think Tampa Bay, Florida is going to be game sevens. And, and while the NBA had some game sevens this round, most of those individual games were blowouts. Like, they oh, weren't. Sunday. Sunday was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't good. A lot of those games weren't close, though. I mean, a lot of them are double-digit games. Oh, the build-up, yeah. I'm just saying, like, in the hockey, you have overtimes, back and forth, close games in those. Boston, the Boston-Milwaukee series was good, but that was, that's, that's yeah. all, other than that, it wasn't. I'll agree. Um, what was I the other? Watching that either. I mean, <laughs> oh I yeah, on Sunday, so there was some Boston like Carolina games. Before. Yeah, there was some Boston Carolina games that weren't close. Um, yeah. In in hockey, but that's I don't know what that was. Boston is just oh well. Good. Riddance. I did. I did try. Like baseball has kind of been my. I picked up my baseball watching this last week. I've been watching the college stuff, but like I finally, like Major League Baseball, kind of dumped in and like committing time to watching it so the rainy weekends and stuff will help you yeah um what's been getting me fired up though lately and dominating my mind is there's there's so much news about the fall of football season that it's just it's gotten me thirsty 
I just can't wait. No, I can't <laughs> I know wait. the NFL really pumps their schedule thing. I really don't care about the schedule coming out, but it's cool to know what's when and those holiday games and stuff like that. Like, it, it's something. I, I don't get fired up. If they tell me, yes, last week, or they tell me two months from now, either way, I'll react the same. Like, oh, how about that? But the whole Tom Brady signing with Fox for after when he retires to be the lead analyst, that's just for the sports media nerd that I am, and I listen to multiple sports media podcasts, that's just, I mean, gold on those podcasts. Each one of them had like an emergency podcast talking about that and everybody's opinion on that. And there's like this general feeling that he's going to do it. He has a 10-year contract, $375 million, double what Tony Romo's making or Troy Aikman's making. Um, and it's Tom Brady, so you kind of understand where that comes from. But everybody on these sports media podcasts think, He's going to do it a couple of years and he's going to be out one way or the other. He's going to be bored with it or not. He's not going to think he's very good and maybe not be very good and get out of it or something. So I, it's just, I find that mind blowing, but so we sit here, we assume a year from now, we assume Tom Brady's in his last year now, since he retired this year, we assume it's only one more year. Um, they're going to have um, Tom Brady on the lead crew there with uh, Burkhart. You're going to have Jim Nance, Tony Romo that we've had. We uh, have Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. Tirico stepping into that lead chair on NBC. You have Joe Buck, Troy Aikman moving over from Fox to ESPN for Monday Night Football. And then you have that new package on Amazon with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. You have to watch an NFL game with these as your choices. So two years, you know, once Tom Brady's sitting in that seat, you have to watch an NFL game. Which one of those crews do you want calling the game you're listening to? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I'd say either Jim Nance and Tony. Oh God, I really do. I'm gonna say Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit just because I don't like Tony Romo. Just because I don't like Tony Romo. Yeah, I honestly I love Kirk Herbstreit on Saturday nights in the fall. I I tend to have the ABC game or wherever Kirk Herbstreit's at. I tend to have that game on the TV that I have volume on. Yeah. Like if it's the same difference, if the Hokies aren't playing or it's not just some huge CBS, you know, SEC game, I tend to be on that Kirk Herbstreit game. So I, I, I appreciate him and Fowler. I like Al Michaels. I've loved Al Michaels. I, I'm not a huge Chris Collinsworth fan, but I, I still like Sunday night football because Al Michaels is the yeah. man. I mean, he's a, he's an absolute legend. So putting those guys together, I assume they'll gel well enough. I honestly, that's probably the least, expensive uh, combo on this list of, of people. And, and it's the one that I most, most want to listen to. Cause I like, I respect her curve street that much. And then Al Michaels is the absolute legend. Now, is any of those people keeping me from watching a game? No. If no. it's the game I want to watch, it's the, if these are all primetime games, they're on by themselves generally, uh, you know, except for the late afternoon uh, CBS or Foxes, but they still have the prime audience if it's a game i want to watch i'm going to watch it I, none of these guys are driving me away i say i don't like chris collinsworth as much he's never kept me from watching a game i hate tom brady he's not going to keep me from watching fox he um, might keep me from watching fox actually <laughs> if he's not good at it i won't because i don't he's like not him good at it, but that's going to take care of itself quick enough the way everybody's talking about it if he's not good at it it'll take care of itself but will it because um, i i know that they're saying on this that he'll if he's not good at it or he doesn't feel like he's good at it, he'll quit I don't know. $375 million, $375 million. I tell Fox, go ahead and cut me a check for $375 million if you don't want me here. 
the contract has this a lot of like brand pushing and stuff too. So apparently, I think there's outs where they can mold him into different roles. Apparently, if he's not good at it, but it's still a big risk to take this guy that hasn't done any games before. Now, to be fair, they did that with Tony Romo. I mean, they they threw him, him out there, but Tony Romo, in a lot of people's analysis, does a good job. People like him. I I think he, I think he's a little much, but people like him. I think those mostly are Dallas fans, though, is the problem. There's going to be a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people do like Tom Brady. Like, a lot of people are going to want to like him in that spot. You know, you have the Northeast that that likes him, but nationwide, there's a lot of Tom Brady fans. So I think he's going to get his chance there. Um, I think it's tough on Kevin Burkhart because he's going to have this one year with somebody in that seat next to him, probably Greg Olson, and then that guy's leaving, and then he's going to have to start over again and get used to somebody else. I mean, you say that. I, I don't know. I don't know if Tom Brady's only playing one more year. I, I, I said, I, I think I, I just led that early with the assumption. I mean, if he plays two more, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. If none of these guys at the beginning. Year, he's not going to play two. Yeah, none of these guys. That, well, he might. Did you read? I, there's a lot of stories out there that, Tom Brady was retiring, hoping oh, the like Buccaneers. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke there, like an uncomfortable amount surprised. of smoke that you don't see a lot of league partners talking about it because I don't think the NFL wants it out there because that is not a good look for the NFL. Because that lawsuit messed it all up. I I find it strange for a guy that seems so buttoned up and a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of little things with him the last couple of years, like a little, little smoke things. And like, I'm not saying some of the things you bring up aren't nothing stories. I mean, but I'm just surprised for how zipped up everything had been for there to be ever since he left new England, it's been a lot more stuff out in the open and, and wishy-washy the retiring and coming back. I, you know, it's just, it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting for a guy that had complete control of his image. I feel like that's been rattled a touch. Now, this contract flies in the face of that, and Fox is saying he has the greatest image ever, and that's what we want. But you, you, can't, you can't forget, and well, you might just not know, but Joe Montana, he retired, went to the booth. He was terrible. Yeah. So everything else Tom Brady's done in his career has been compared to Joe Montana. So well, and I know you don't listen to Levitard. I know you don't listen to Levitard, but Levitard said this, and he's not wrong when he says it. Like, Fox gave him $375 million to a guy who hasn't said anything interesting his whole career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's been locked up in New England most of it. But even in know, Tampa though, his like thing. his post-game comments or anything isn't something that you're like, "Oh, wow, I can't believe he said that." Like, "Oh." And you're not blown away by anything he says. You're well, just well, like, "Oh, he's really good." I went Tony Robo before he retired. What yeah, but I okay, uh, okay. Well, unless Tom Brady's going to start guessing plays in the in the booth, which maybe he does, I don't think that's going to be good news. Because Tony Romo is going to get worse. He's getting – I can already tell. He's not as good as he was his first few years when he knew yeah, all the, the plays. Whole thing about guessing the plays, though, they say any, like, top I – mean, any like, they say most of the quarterbacks can do that. Like, most – Well, Tony Romo's getting it wrong more often, and his analysis isn't very good analysis. The few games I watch on CBS because the Ravens are playing and he's calling our games, there are times where I'm like, you haven't watched the Ravens all year. You're saying I stuff that makes no I, sense. He tries to be funny too much. I think that's my problem with Tony Romo. He's like – searching for a joke sometimes and just leave it alone like you'd be better if you just 
not searching for this joke. Like, I don't know. Like, trying to make Jim Nance laugh shouldn't be his goal in the booth. Now, when me and you are in a booth, I, might, I absolutely, one of my underlying goals is to make you laugh, so. <laughs> the other football watching, I got no reaction out of that. No. Uh, <laughs> the other football watching stuff that came out today, uh, on Monday, UVA announced uh, playing Tennessee to open the 23 season in Nashville. Now, as a Virginia Tech fan and a UVA hater, I just assume that'll be a whooping. Uh, but Tennessee ain't some reason to think someone's going to whoop somebody. Uh, so that's good for UVA. That's a nice, oh, yeah. you know, it's a big marquee weekend, game. Big yeah. time game. They'll be fired up. So happy for them. I mean, everybody will be talking about how they're going to beat Tennessee all summer long. And that'll be good a year from now. So uh, I like those. And I think it's good with Tony Elliott going in there. Um, I think more of these SEC matchups are better for them. I know they, you know, they have non-conference games. But, you know, Oregon coming in, a good thing. But, you know, the Boise game, these other games, it's just I, – I think it's good. The more SEC teams you can play, they're the ones with the highlights on them. I know this is Tennessee, who's not the cream of the crop of the SEC, but it, it's still a good thing. So, uh, good for UVA fans. That's something to be excited about and, and not even – Well, this that. has I the mean, potential. I mean, 2023, depending on what 20, Tennessee does, um, with Hendon Hooker coming back and stuff, like, who knows? I mean, that was a team that had a pretty good run this year. It was vastly improved. <laughs> But Hendon's going to be – like, he's in his last year this year. UVA yeah, I know. They don't have to worry about year. that. But my point is, if Hendon yeah. Hooker and Tennessee do really well this year, that has the potential to be a nationally televised game at the beginning of the year. If they're a top 25 going into the oh, year – that'll be a that'll be a national televised – I mean, that'll, that'll – That's be good a, for UVA. Anytime you were on national TV yeah. is great. That helps build your brand, build your program. That's good. I did see yeah. a I did see a post from somebody and I, on Twitter, and I kind of agree with him. The neutral site games, I get why schools do it. Big payday. Big cash. They both get paid big, yep. I do prefer home and homes. Yeah. But if to make these games happen, it, I mean, I don't know. These teams don't want to travel into other stadiums and all that. Like, I get it. I, I know, but I'm just saying, as a fan, I prefer home and homes. I prefer and Virginia I Tech and Penn State home and home. I prefer yes, – I don't, I don't yes. want to play at FedEx or, you know, M&T or wherever. I agree wholeheartedly I, I agree with you I'd rather be at home um I've said that about college basketball that you like you you have the sport that's built on home court advantages and then you get so neutralized in the tournament there's no way around it but like it is an aspect of the game that's missing there um I, that's what's great about college sports is those home crowds so you hate to take that out of these games and I really don't mind it in college football that first week you know that early in the season maybe but I, even then I think okay. that's when you can set hate, up some huge games I hate these like mid October games at Dallas Cowboys Stadium for no reason. Like I don't yeah. like those. I, I those really get on my nerves. I get, you know, the Chick fil A kickoff. I get I get what's happening. I don't like mid season neutral site games. I guess Texas Oklahoma is more of like That's a that's a neutral site game, but I guess that's tradition and I'm used to it. Yeah. But um, other than that, like the put together games mid season neutral site I do not like. But for me, I just and I get again, I get it. It's a big cash big payday for both schools. Yeah. That's why they do it. But I also just kind of would think like, okay, if I'm again, using Virginia tech as an example, and we're going to play Penn state, I'd rather play in Western Pennsylvania because I want to recruit in Western Pennsylvania. And so I'm going to go play in Western Pennsylvania and show them, Hey, this is my program. We come, we can come here and play. Come join us. 
and we'll, you know. Yeah, that's the only way you're going to prove that point in Western Pennsylvania because going to play in at Heinz Field, you already play Pitt, so you're not proving anything. There. Yeah, go, and go and beat them at Penn State. Yeah, yeah and then saying so or like playing Ohio in State. Baltimore doesn't really help, like for me in my mind, um, or, you know, FedEx or whatever DC neutral site doesn't matter because yeah. we already have so many DC alumni. It's why this WVU, back. and I know you hate the going to WVU part of it, but I, I like no, that they're no. playing home and homes. I don't, I, yeah, that FedEx yeah. thing was fine, but I, I much preferred home and home. I agree. I don't like going to West Virginia cause I was scared for my life the time I went. Yeah. I, I I'm for the home and home. I mean, anything I have negative to say about going to West Virginia, is personal in Pitt in West Virginia backyard brawl home and home. I like that. Do that. If Texas when Texas and Texas A&M play again, you know, they'll do it in the sec, but home and homes, like keep the home and homes. If you don't, if it hasn't been like a neutral site, historical thing, like Jack, like Florida, Georgia, or that was the one I was going to say. And then Texas, Oklahoma, like just leave it or army Navy, like just leave it. Look at Florida State and Miami and Florida when they play. They play each other on their home fields, and it's great. I mean, it it's is. Great. Get, it's great. The atmosphere is what makes college football college football. Make right. the home and homes. I, I do think that gets lost on the national media quite a bit. On the, oh, folks are coming here to see these kids. Those kids are wearing the laundry that those people want to see. Yes, when those teams are good, does it help for the fan bases to be more energized and more enthusiastic? Absolutely. But the home game in wearing the right laundry that you identify with, because either you went to school there or it's close by and you it represents your region and you grew up there and love it. That's what matters to those people. Play those home and home games. When the stadium is split 50-50, I hate it. I don't, you don't get the pop of the home team getting that key sack or that key turnover or the big play touchdown. There is nothing like it in college football when that happens in a big time home football game. I agree. So yeah, I'm excited about football and it's only May 16th. <laughs> I'm more excited for college football. I the pro football, I mean the NFL schedule comes out and everyone's like, "Oh, what's yeah. our record going to be?" And I'm like, "I don't care. I don't what care about this." About the analysis of that, you already know who you're going to play and where you're going to play them. It's just which week you're going to play them is the only thing that comes like is different. And people act like it's new news. Like, you know, in February, what you're dealing with. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't it was like the Ravens release, like, oh, these are our road games. These are our home games. And I'm like, OK. But they said that back in February. Yeah, I just That's I don't care. Like, I just don't. I don't. This is not news for me. I don't I don't get into the NFL schedule release. It is even less exciting for me than the draft. Like I just, I, I am that, not. I into look this at the thing. Thanksgiving games, especially now that they have that night game. Because I mean, Ravens yeah. played in that one year, and that was good. So I pay attention to that because that Thanksgiving night game is one I usually like for a holiday game. I like. Then I look at Christmas and hope my team's not playing on Christmas because right. it doesn't work for me on Christmas. And this year, the Steelers are playing on Christmas Eve at eight o'clock. I will watch zero of that game. And so uh, I don't get my wish there. I was going to say, the one thing, when they release it, I, I'll look and see if we have a Monday night game. Yeah, I want to know we have one. time game. I'll look at that. But that's it. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm good. If it says 1 o'clock beside it, I don't pay attention to it right now. Nope. None at all. Yeah, I, I just don't care. I don't like why we keep playing you guys. I, I noticed that in this year, though. We, we play the Ravens twice in December. Like, why can't we just play once Yeah, the once is the end of the year, isn't it? Man. 
one of the last two weeks. But yeah, it's like we we play twice in the last six weeks. Why can't we just play one of those in October? Like, what's yeah, wrong? I think with one that? of them's the last game of the year. Probably, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. But because I okay, I should say I do I do that. I look games, at so. I look at the last game of the year because I'm like, all right, who who are we playing with our playoff lives on the line? Like, <laughs> can we rest? Can we rest? Nope. No. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, because either we'll be playing for our playoff lives or you guys will be playing for your playoff lives, and I don't want to rest anyone, and I want to knock them out. Like, I don't, care if, I don't care if we've got that one seed locked up and we're not going for a perfect season. I'm just like, yeah, but we're playing the starters because I don't want to see them. We, we close with Cleveland. We play you all the week before. Okay, that, so. is that so we Steelers, must play the Bengals because we're playing on. somebody else. Who it's, I'm, the old, it's week 17. It's the old last week of the season. It's just a, extended a week now. Damn it. Um, I bet you guys had the Bengals in the last week. So. That sucks. That's not who I yeah, want to play with my playoff lives. After saying that I think the Bengals are fake and they're going to be bad again, I don't want to <laughs> bake my playoffs on it. It just feels like a, one of those episodes where we come back the next Monday. and It's like, oh, Joe, remember what you said? The Bengals suck. <laughs> they knocked you out of the playoffs. Good impression. That is a good impression. <laughs> yeah. At the Bengals, too. So it's good to jungle. Oh, well. If we're going to beat those. But, I mean, you play, we play on the 11th. December 11th, you play at Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Then you play Cleveland. Then you play Atlanta. And then you play Pittsburgh and the Bengals. It's like, I like a lot of division at the end of the season. I just don't know why. I don't know why they don't spread our rivalry out a touch more. They keep doing this. It's not every single year, but it's more years than not. We play twice, like, after Thanksgiving. And it's, let's get one of those out of the way in October. It, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Yeah. Watch somebody die in October. When I, uh, what's been dominating my life, and then I guess we'll just go ahead and wrap it up, unless that other topic you really, really feel strongly about. I just have two quick ones to, to complain, or to smile and frown about. Go, hit me. Okay. Uh, English Premier League wraps up this coming weekend. Manchester City actually had a chance to lock up the Premier League this week, this past weekend, but they stumbled and they got a draw. Now, Luckily for them, they got that draw because if they had lost, then things get interesting. Then it comes down to goal differential between them and Liverpool, potentially. But because they got a draw, they're a point ahead. Now, they play Aston Villa, who is not great. So all Manchester City has to do is win. They probably will. Uh, If they do, they win the Premier League. If they draw, that last game of the year really matters for Liverpool because... They have a game tomorrow against Southampton. I'm assuming they're going to win that. And then they'll play Wolves, and they have to beat Wolves. All those games are going to be played. Is it a pack of Wolves? Wolves? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's a pack um, of Wolves out on the field? Yep. And they will be playing. On the, pitch, on the pitch, excuse me. Darn it. All these teams will be playing their games at the exact same time. It is Wolves. I thought you were messing with me. I thought you were saying a different word. It, it Wolves. It is Wolves, yeah. Who are these people? The Wolverhampton Wolves, yeah. Wolverhampton? Yeah, they call them Wolves. Yep. Um, Okay. But Manchester City, again, they have Aston Villa. They're no good. I just, I need, I need Aston Villa to find a way to get a point. Just somehow, some way, get a draw against Manchester City. So Liverpool can win the Premier League. They've won the Carabao Cup. They won the FA Cup on penalties this last weekend, which was thrilling. And if they can win the Premier League and the Champions League, Leland, 
what a year it has been for Liverpool Football Club. It is a historically great season. Can't you just get them in the playoffs? Can't you just, I mean, get there them are no playoffs. That's why the yeah. English Premier League determines who the best team is. They don't have playoffs for these other teams to stumble in and get success and get lucky. Everybody plays <laughs> yeah. everybody twice, and then whoever has the best record at the end is the champion. It's the way everybody should do it. The NFL should do it that way. Extend the season, you know, over, well, let's get rid of half the teams. Everybody plays everybody Promotion plays. and relegation. There we go. Cut the league I in half. I see the NFL moving away from the Super Bowl. It does seem like a dying event. Yes, yes, it is. It's totally a dying event. The commercials suck. They're not even that good. <laughs> Cut the league in half. <laughs> Promotion and relegation. The Jacksonville Jaguars will be in the second tier forever. Um, Bama's up. Bama moves up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if we started moving college teams around? Um, that might be what college football turns into before it's all said and done. With, I don't know. That's going to be. <sighs> when I hear the Power Five Conference commissioners talking, I'm just like, mm. so makes me when nervous. You say this, when you say this, conf- this, okay, so your Premier League's wrapping up. So what happens? What's, what's other, you know, I know you have three different tournaments going on at one time here. Yeah, the FA Cup ended last weekend. Liverpool won the final on penalties. Yep. Is there ever a playoff? The FA Cup is basically an in, that all that is is a tournament. All that is is a playoff. Okay. And the Champions League is kind of like that. It's like the World Cup in the sense that you have the group stage. Yeah. And then you advance to the knockout round. So that's the Champions League. Liverpool's in the final for that. They're playing Real Madrid. That will be not this coming Saturday. But the following Saturday. Like Memorial Weekend. Uh, Yeah, I think so. But on Saturday. Not going to make it. Well, that's yeah. disappointing. It is. It's a big match, Leland. Yeah, my, my daughter will be dancing on a stage. I'll be well, managing that stage at the same time. So, I guess that takes precedent. One of our our top listener thinks so. So, well, that's good. That. <laughs> um, no, it'll be good. Um, <laughs> pull it, Kelly. It's got to be me or your daughter, Leland. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, okay. What are your two fun facts? I have quick ones. I just lost my page. Uh, the happy one, bad. Uh, is playing for the – he got signed this week. JMU's former uh, – he won the championship while he was there, right? No, uh, they lost it. Yeah. Him. But he was good for him. He, he was. He transferred from Georgia Tech. Everybody loved him for good reason. Game day came when he was there. Um, everybody loves Badley. Well, he'd been um, not playing USFL football. Pittsburgh, the team I would assume I like, um, if they didn't play all their games in Birmingham. Uh, they signed him this week. They put him on the field this weekend. They were 0-4 before they signed Badley. Now they're 1-4 because Badley scored a couple touchdowns, including the game winner as time expired. So that was a happy thing. Doesn't really matter, no. But, hey, it was a fun thing for a JMU guy to do something good in a professional league, and so I liked that. And then um, I've already forgot my negative thing that I needed to talk about. Rich um, Strike. Oh, the darn horse isn't even running the Preakness. Yeah. Like, come on. What a, just like, what a fake winner. We talk about fake things. Well, what a fake horse. This this is a fake horse. I mean, just I would assume, 
the triple crown. I would assume that decision is based on the health of the horse, so that's probably why they didn't run it in the Preakness. Right. They care so much about the health of these horses. That's true. Well, I mean, it is bad for the sport when a horse dies on national television. I, I, I don't understand their angle on this one yet, but the health of the horse is going to be the last thing I believe. I mean, I, it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the biggest reason horses scratch out of oh, the I'm Kentucky sure Derby or the Preakness. I'm sure they're citing the, the Well, what do you think it is? Do you think the mob is paying them to not they go for the Triple Crown? Lose. They know they stole that victory. Who gives a bleep? It, the they don't they're care gonna, about that. Go their brains out on a on a longer or on a shorter racetrack, right? The Preakness is shorter, right? Oh my god. And Leland, this is the dumbest the theory you have. Longer, no. Oh my go longer then. God, that is not why they're going to hold him out. They know they'll lose this race, and so they don't want to run it. Then they can run the Belmont on a longer racetrack, have a chance of winning that one, and then they can they can plead. Oh yeah, well they could run the Belmont. They could run the Belmont either way, Leland. It's not like if they lose the Preakness, they're not allowed to run in the Belmont. That makes no sense. I just they're not going to give up the the money on the table for a triple crown. For anything other than a health reason for the horse. This is where we need good people like that disgraced trainer back on around the track and making decisions that benefit me, the person that wants to care oh about this God. horse race. Well, I can tell you, NBC was probably <laughs> devastated. I will not. I don't care about this. I will not. I was going to say, no one's going to watch that race. I'm not able to watch the race regardless. So when I saw that, I was like, well, at least I won't be potentially missing history. So. I'm not going to turn the TV on this weekend to horse racing. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Did I watch the last one? No, I, I missed it then, too. Oh, I watched the but Kentucky Derby. It was phenomenal. I missed it. I was, at, I, was, I was at a party. Well, that's fine. But, yeah, I mean, you didn't miss anything because now, well, you did. It was the second oh, longest odds. Horse a fake the second race. longest odds horse to ever win the Kentucky Derby, but now you won't miss Triple computer, Crown. Computer enhanced. It was all CGI that that, that was shown there. Uh, yeah, I, I, you saying it's because they know they're not going to win. That is the, oh my gosh. It's, it has to do, it, it has to do with like money for studying them. Come, to. come to the Yak Sports Podcast for dumb they horse racing analysis. They lose this race. You can't, you can always say, if well, you we thought, won. if we weren't careful that's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Poor little horseshoe that was a little bit loose. We held them out so he wouldn't get hurt. We ran him at the Belmont. Obviously, he would have won the Triple Crown. Here's his stud fee. Let's go. But when he goes in there and actually loses, it blew. <laughs> One, no. <laughs> Two, yeah. I mean, there. this is just a message to all you people out there. If you've listened to horse racing podcasts and thought, wow, that person was really dumb, come here. Come here. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> I my. Gosh. Oh, I lost my notes. I couldn't even say the name of the horse. I can't, I, my notes weren't in front of me. I couldn't remember that the is... name of the horse. I can't remember the name of the horse last year that won. That you you wanted to get on me for when North Carolina oh, no, was in dead last in the ACC with no conference wins at the time. I said, if Roy Williams doesn't figure this out, he's fired. You wanted to get on me. This is that level of bad take. <laughs> Except I'm not going to double down on this. And Friday, I know I know what I'm not not talking about right here. I know it's wolf. I had no idea what I'm talking about. I just don't like that he's not running. I'm mad about it. 
So. Yeah, Long John's is good though. Long John's is open. Yeah. Did you make it like health wise after? Did yeah, I did. Less crunchies, less crunchies than I wanted. That was disappointing, especially after you know waiting in line for an hour. Um, an hour, uh, more than an hour. Yeah, it's it like an what, an hour and nineteen minutes or something. something. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was a long time. It was upsetting, but for Long John's, we made it. I don't get it. It was good. I can't wait. I can't wait for you to go with us, Leland. I am so excited for this. You know what? Maybe for you, and this is just preparing. We just got to plan with our friend Rob Ron. Maybe the best way to do this for you is to just knock out both bets in one day. We go to IHOP for breakfast. Dead by dinner. And then we go to Long John's. Long John's for lunch and dead by dinner. I will get a shirts made that say that. I hop for breakfast, Long John's for lunch. Dead by dinner. I did not know that was a Gaffigan line. That's great. Is that on one of his new stand ups? Yeah, I don't know if he's I don't know if it's part of the hot pocket rant, but it's it's a Gaffigan line. Oh man. I'd love to claim it as my own, but it's a Gaffigan. I loved that. It might have been where he's like, did I eat at Wendy's twice today? <laughs> oh, okay, so it is an older one. I just got to go back and watch it again. Oh, it's yeah, it's older. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you, the listeners, want to come back next week and hear about how most of the Shenandoah District wrapped up, we will be glad to be with you next week. Uh, we'll be, however you're listening to us right now, we'll be back the same way next week. And if you want to venture onto other venues like Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify, you can always find us there too. Make sure you tell your friends we're available on all those different um, hosting sites. And also, please interact with us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook. I will tell you that the Pirates did end up with three hits tonight. No runs. Wow. Gave up nine. So uh, that will do it for us this week. We look forward to talking to you all again next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.